podcast is brought to you by Welcome to this week's episode of Watch This or Die podcast. We are thrilled that you've decided to join us again. I'm Scott Crowshar. And I'm Matt LaPlante. And we will be your host on this cinematic journey. Now, each week we will be recommending a movie to you that we absolutely fucking love. And we think you will too. So for the next hour or so, we're going to do our best to convince you to go and watch this movie. Because your life might just depend on it. Now, without further ado, the movie we are recommending to you this week is Dawn of the Dead. I've just been informed that we are going off the air and switching to the emergency broadcasting system. Look up the road, there's a lot more of them. Why are they coming here? Maybe they're coming for us. Welcome to our second edition of our horror fest for the month of October. This week, as you just heard, we are doing the amazing movie, the remake of a classic, the 2004 edition of Dawn of the Dead. And I am super excited because I am a big fan of the zombie genre. However, over the last, feels like almost two decades, it has been beaten to death. It feels like it is the most used genre out there in the horror game outside of maybe a close second to those like we talked about last week those stupid fucking everything being haunted or possessed movies like dolls being possessed that seems to be this or zombie movie seems to be what we get every time oh yeah yeah this was uh prior to the walking dead ruining zombies for cinema well i mean the walking dead when it first started for the first couple seasons it did a really great job but then it too went the way of everything else where it just became very cyclical and very uh you know blah blah blah. i I stopped watching after the fake of glenn's death i had like you know after that season i was done yeah after it started yeah that was the heavy season where it really started to it already had made some pretty big divergence from the comics yeah. uh for for i feel like for just safety issues creativity wise and yeah after it started veering away from there and did the fake out in and i'll fuck you walking dead fans Terrible. i'll go full fucking spoilers Terrible. full spoilers you're gonna ruin a fucking amazing comic book death by giving a fake out to anybody that has read the comic ahead of time, knowing this is a fake out. Either yeah. you're gonna make a create crazy creative decision to steal a death scene from the fucking comic that is fucking horrifying when it happens and give a fake out and then give that death scene later in the same fucking season. Fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah, garbage. it was it was a f- trash. It was garbage. It was complete garbage. But that's why The Walking Dead, thankfully, is finally coming to an end. I could give hey. two shits about it, but there you go. Exactly. All their crazy plans to do <laughs> yeah. 100. Uh, like, yeah. we're going we're gonna to make independent movies with this person, uh, and we're going to do this. So it's like, I think this is, did AMC hire Kellyanne Conway for a day when they know. released that press statement? I don't know. I, it's, I don't, do we do <laughs> need any more spinoffs? I don't know. And I'm tired of Chris Hardwick mm-hmm. talking about it. Fuck him. He is, you know, I used to have respect for Chris Hardwick. 
You no, know, I was, liked him as a, com- a as a comic, but then he started to do this job, and he he fucking drinks the fucking Kool Aid and kisses the fucking he ass does. at AMC. And you know well, what? He kisses enough ass to dodge sexual harassment. Well, he could have many times been the voice of change for that show since he had such a powerful platform, but he just went with all the bullshit twists and stupid Kiss turns. Ass. And man, he, he lost all credibility with me. So. Chris Hardwick, Let's, if somehow you're listening yeah. to this, dude, you fucking sold out. And I get it. You made money. But you know what? You you had some cachet in the nerd and geek world, especially since you started uh, your great website at Nerdist.com. But you know what, dude? You fucking sold out, and you should be ashamed of yourself, and you can go fuck yourself. And if you're listening to this, feel free to respond. But you know what? You can still go fuck yourself. So now that I've told Chris Hardwick to go fuck himself. Hard to go fuck yourself. And uh, you uh, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Are abusive piece of shit to women. So if you want to fight Scott or I, I'm sure we'll easily. I will definitely. I'll vouch. I'll go. I'm down. We'll go to blow. Now that we told Chris Harbour to go fuck himself, we are going to jump into the <laughs> glorious movie that tells you to go fuck itself, which is Dawn of the Dead. For those of you who don't know, this is a remake of the great George Romero movie from the 70s. The plot is a handful of human survivors take refuge in a suburban Milwaukee mall and are surrounded by swarms of zombies in Zack Snyder's remake of The Dawn of the Dead. Vivian? Honey, are you okay? This movie came out in 2004, and as I've said, it's directed by Zack Snyder. It is his directorial debut, and last week in our list, we talked about best directorial debuts, and this was one of the ones that missed the list, but was one of the ones I was thinking about putting on my list. However, I liked my list, but it was a tough one to leave off. Yeah. This movie is... It was hard not having it in the back of your mind the whole time. Absolutely. And this movie was written by the great James Gunn. And it yeah. totally, I've completely forgot he wrote this until I was doing research yeah. for this and realized, oh my God, it totally feels like a James Gunn fucking movie because it's got great elements in it. And we're going to get into those in a few minutes. Now, this cast is full of people you may not have heard of or have heard of, but wouldn't picture in this movie. It's a very strange cast, but yet a very good cast. It stars Sarah Polly, the great Ving Rames, Jake Weber, Mackay Pfeiffer, Ty Burrell, yes, that Ty Burrell, and Michael Kelly. A lot of these people you've seen, outside of Ving Rhames, you've seen a lot of them in a lot of television shows or other movies. Um, The minute you see them, you know them, but to be honest with you, Ving Rhames is really the the biggest name in this movie at the time. Oh, definitely. Yeah, he was he was the biggest name by far at that time. I think Mackay Pfeiffer was probably the closest to yeah. him, actually, I would say. Yeah. The two of them were, like, the most notable actors, and then followed by Sarah Polly, who, you know, had a pretty big, uh, I believe, Canadian career and U.S. career a little bit before this, and she's gone on to do a bunch of stuff since. Well, since then, Mr. A lot of them have done TV. Yeah, Mr. Tybrell has experienced 
exploded on the scene with Modern uh, Family, and then Michael Kelly and, was in the show House of Cards on Netflix. So, oh yeah, so those two guys have really skyrocketed their own rate after after this movie. But <laughs> we'll get into them. And Ty Burrell's fantastic in this movie. I want to say one fu- funny thing. Well, two funny things. One, could this character be any further than the character he is most known to play for Ty? <laughs> he is. Two. He is the biggest <laughs> douchebag. You know what? Last week this is a definition of douchebag. Last week you said to me, you asked a question. I told you I'd answer it this week. You said, "What was my what was my favorite douchebag killed in a horror movie?" And actually, it's Ty Burrell in this movie. <laughs> it's actually his death in this movie. I'm not giving away anything, folks. I mean, I'm really not. Yeah. It, but it, no, it yeah. is it's his perfect. death. He is the biggest douchebag, and it is a real twist on <laughs> on it. It's almost like they're the complete opposite of each other. His character and Modern oh, God, Family yeah. in this. And they totally are. And then uh, I completely, and now I'm just thinking of that scene and I lost with the second part that I was going to fucking say with this. But yeah, the rest of them all went on to just yeah, do TV and yeah. <laughs> after this. But yeah, awesome movie. Can't wait to fucking talk about it. I mean, I think it's this movie is what got Ving Rhames the voice of Arby's. So he got the meat <laughs> from this movie. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? They don't skimp on the meat there. Arby's didn't invent the slider. We didn't even invent the sandwich, but we did invent Arby's. So in a way, you're welcome. Arby's, we have the meat. Speaking of meat, the ratings for this are, I don't know. You know what? As we talked about last week, ratings really don't mean a whole lot to me because there's been many times I've listened to a critic say a movie was going to suck and went and saw it and was like, man, this dude doesn't know what he's talking about. But I'll give you the ratings anyways because I do it every week. On IMDb, this movie has a 7.3. That's respectable. That's a pretty respectable number. That's a good one. Yeah. It's not too bad. It's Rotten Tomatoes is, is, I don't know, it's a little, I guess, middle of the road. It's got a 75 for critics and a 77 audience rating. I mean, it's not terrible, It's but it's not, that's you pretty, know, it's decent. It's a, it's a fair. I would say that's very good for a zombie horror movie critically to come off. You know, funny right thing is, is, is this really, even though we've got it in our horror fest, it really isn't a horror movie. This is really a no, zombie action movie. Yeah, zombie action. There is a lot comedy, of action. Com- you know, and a lot of comedy in it. Absolutely. Too. This has has all the earmarkings of what Zack Snyder would become and what James Gunn would become. The two of them together yeah. are phenomenal, and you know they did a great job with this together. Yeah. Now they made this for a budget of twenty six million, and it grossed a pretty sizable amount at one hundred two point three million dollars. So it brought yeah. home some good change. You know, I mean, it definitely um, good amount of money. Yeah, it's a very absolutely. good return. I mean, hell, that's a great return for a zombie movie. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. And a remake. And at twenty and twenty six million for them to make a movie that visual effects wise help holds up perfectly with twenty twenty. Oh right it now. really does. When I rewatched it, there's one scene we'll get into that you know, you could tell a little bit for the most yeah. part, man. It they they did a spectacular job of, of mm-hmm. putting this movie together. We should probably now give you our five reasons that you need to see this fucking movie or should have already seen this movie. But if you haven't, here's five reasons why you should. The top five reasons to watch this movie. And our number one reason is... Number one. The chaotic opening sequence of this movie. Help! Get back, Anna. Get back! Jesus, just tell me what's going on. I told you to get back. 
it truly is a spectacular way to open a zombie flick. And I do feel like this opening is what sets up other movies in this genre, especially like a 28 Days Later and some other movies. It just opens with a great slow burn of like, no, I shouldn't say slow burn. It opens with this. Obviously, when we come into the movie, all of us as audience members know that's a zombie movie. I mean, it says yeah. Dawn of the Dead. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, we, you know what you were coming for to see. Unless you're a hippie who thought this was the uh, how the Grateful Dead got together. Hey, don't, don't, only, don't bring the Grateful Dead into it's this. It's the only way you could get confused that this wasn't about zombies. Like, it's the only other thing it could be is, oh, hey, you're telling us how the Grateful Dead was formed. No, I'm not talking about the Grateful Dead. This movie, no, oh, that's long, that's <laughs> long, strange, that's long, strange trip, and it's a fantastic documentary. Outside of that, this movie with Sarah Polly is a nurse at a local hospital. And when we first start off, she's talking to a doctor and uh, this doctor, they're looking at a chart and, you know, he, he wants to find out some more information about this guy. And when she asks another nurse as she's trying to get off shift about this uh, patient, the doctor wants a little more information on. He was seen for a bite and is now in the ICU for a, a bite on his hand. So right off the bat, we know things are going little askew you can kind of feel it when she's in her car there's a bit of a news story coming out but she changes it to music and then we get home and then as we talked about last week sex in horror movies usually leads to death <laughs> and it is so true in this movie it stands the course and we'll talk about that in a minute <laughs> <The> farewell night <laughs> So her husband, they're there. It's a little bit of date night. They end up, uh, you know, drinking a little. They're kissing. They decide to take the uh, party into the shower. And while they're uh, playing a a game of uh, hide your fingers in places (laughs) while they're kissing, (laughs) there's a news uh, bulletin report that comes across the TV that obviously they don't see. I should preface this, that when she returned home, there was a young girl who was outside showing her that she could now roller skate backwards. Then the next day that they would, you know, hang out on Saturday, whatever. I forget what day it was, but it didn't matter. It was, I think it was a weekend coming up. It might have been a Friday. So in the morning, this girl is in their house, covered in blood, in a nightgown, walking in the doorway. The husband gets up to go help her. Obviously, what is great about zombie movies is what makes them somewhat scary or at least unnerving is that most of the time, we, the viewer, already know what's happening. We know that these people are in a zombie movie. They don't. So when they get up and do stuff like walk over to a little girl's covered in blood, we in this you have this knee-jerk reaction to want to yell at the screen like, don't fucking do that, you idiot. She's a zombie. But of course, they don't know that she's a zombie. So of course, they walk over there like she's a little teddy bear and she fucking rips this motherfucker's neck out. <laughs> <laughs> Just rips his neck out. Yeah. Which just completely catches Sarah Polly. She fucks him up. The great thing is, is Sarah Polly then goes over, grabs the little girl, like throws her bitch ass down the hallway and closes the door. And we never yeah. see that girl again. Like she yeah, doesn't come. She didn't come through the door. We don't see her later on. Like after you know, once Sarah Polly gets out of her house, like that's it. The little girl skates backwards, bites this dude's neck, gets her ass thrown out of down a hallway, and she is done. She collects her check and her SAG card. She's out of there. Yeah, maybe her uh, zombie brain. Turned into like land of the uh, of the living dead zombie brain, and, <laughs> yeah, she, and she reverted to go find her roller skates. Maybe she's the girl that Rick in The Walking Dead shoots with the gun later on. Oh, yeah, yeah, there it is. There you go, folks. We fucking... tied it in back when yeah. back when The Walking Dead was something besides the pile of shit <laughs> it is now. Anyways, 
Anyways, so she obviously, she jumps to and starts to try to save him as he's bleeding out through his neck. He eventually dies. We all know what happens after someone who's been bitten dies. They come back. They're reanimated. And he tries to kill her. So she escapes. And then the chaos just then gets bigger and bigger. And when she gets out of her house, it is absolutely bedlam outside. Absolute bedlam. Houses are on fire. People are being chased by other people. Cars have been in an accident. Um, A neighbor across the street is pointing a gun at Sarah's character, telling her not to move. She doesn't know what to think about it. All of a sudden, he's run over by an ambulance that is just getting the fuck out of Dodge. He's not even going to try to help anybody. She finally gets away. It's like like the the Bills won the Super Bowl. That's pretty much (laughs) what would happen. (laughs) The person driving this ambulance was the bus driver in Mean Girls. That's who it was. This person (laughs) is forever... Hitting people with large vehicles. <laughs> That's who this They're person was. Continually transferring them to like another school. Yeah. So this was just like this was the uh, same, this was filmed after. It's yeah. actual. It's a sequel to Mean yep, Girls. It is. Well, yeah, it is. It's a sequel to Mean Girls. This is what happens. One of the Mean Girls goes on to become a nurse, and her <laughs> husband's attacked, and then she has to horrifically watch the person get hit by a car. <laughs> but the great thing is that all of a sudden they decide to go, you know, go up. They they go up um, more of an overview uh, shot, like a god shot from a plane or a helicopter. Yeah, the, the aerial. It's such a great shot. And then we watch her yeah. as her whole neighborhood. It's like this labyrinth of streets trying to get out of. It's chaos everywhere. There's fire where she's driving. And it's one of my favorite scenes is she's probably about uh, a couple hundred feet behind another car. And we watch a vehicle come out of control through an intersection, hit this car. They go spinning off and hit a gas station. And it explodes. And it's just this nonstop moment of insanity Yeah. to include that she finally like gets in behind a bus and she's uh, she's watching the back window as two zombies are attacking a woman. Yeah, just ripping them apart. The bus driver or another paramedic, I can't remember what uniform they're wearing, tries to rip her out of her car. Like begging, yeah, and she gets the fuck away from him and she crashes her car and she's knocked out. And when she comes to and gets out of her car, Mr. Ving Rhames has a shotgun in her face and we start the movie. But that opening sequence of starting, starting quiet, it's like the match is struck. And then by the time yeah. five or seven minutes in, it's a full on what the fuck tor- fire tornado, California fire going on in the fucking movie. And it's just insane. And it's just so yeah. fucking good. I just, ah. There's so much greatness. I mean, from the acting, from the directing and the cinematography and the special effects. I mean, to make that neighborhood look like all hell has broken loose, it's quite impressive. In suburbia. In suburbia, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's like, that's what even, like, makes it more creepy is it's, like, this very, like, Stepford wife's neighborhood. Like, it's, like, just... The, let's like let's call it what it is. It is middle class or upper middle class white yeah. America. White America destroying in itself. Filmed in Canada. Destroying in Canada. itself. Absolutely going full on. Yeah, it is. Destroying itself. And it is glorious it to is. watch. It's so good. It is. It's all the stay at home moms, all the yeah. overpaid dads, are all of your glorious American dreams. Evaporate yeah, your gun baron, your gun baron citizen. <laughs> he gets hit right there. By a the one dude, truck. he gets uh, nailed by the ambulance. So He's good. just like being a fucking dick, pointing the gun in her face, yelling at her. Gets fucking railed by an ambulance. I mean, he deserved to get hit by the ambulance because I mean, one, you got the gun, so right off the bat, you're already ahead of everyone else. And number two, get in your vehicle and get the fuck out of there. Why are you standing around in your robe in your yard telling people to get back? I'm telling you right now, 
If I wake up tomorrow morning and there's some chaos going out front, I'm telling you what, I'm not standing outside telling people to get off my lawn. I'm getting in my car, I'm hitting who I've got to hit, and I'm going to fuck out of there. He deserved to die in his fucking pajamas, right turn the street. It was glorious to watch yeah, him get killed. It is. Oh yeah, it was. It was. It was amazing. It was. It was one of those moments where like the whole audience gasps and then kind of laughs at it in the crowd, and it was fucking great. I'm gonna be fucking impressed if you fucking know this next little bit about the opening scene, uh, specifically with uh, the aerial shot with the fucking gas station crash. That's a reference to the original Night of Living Dead because Ben in the original is listening to the radio and hears about a truck that crashed into a gas pump. You know, I did not uh, remember that. I do love yeah. Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Fantastic movie. Only George Romero can take a movie, <laughs> take a horror movie and make it a political statement. So back then, yeah, in back, 1968, and it still holds true. Fucking today. man. Crazy. OG, RIP. I never would have caught that uh, until researching this, uh, but that's an awesome little like hint towards there, which is fucking great that he put that in there. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, it then leads beautifully after she's knocked out to the beautiful Johnny Cash man comes around opening title sequence, which is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. When you can put together a good title sequence, it really can keep a move, you know, can really add to the movie. And just the images that they use and with his song, oh, man, it's yeah. so like fucking good. News footage from random countries and like... Yeah, and then faked news footage as well. Yeah. So news footage of chaos and riots intermingled with pre-shot stuff that they did. And man, it was just fucking so awesome. Good. It really was a great opening. And it is one of the best openings of a zombie or any horror movie, really. I mean, it really had... Oh, yeah. It's really good. And it's... it's I mean, yeah, it's a horror, but this is a really an action movie. This There is so much action going on in it. I mean... Yeah, there's a lot. Oh, yeah. James Gunn decided to, instead of it just being like, even in The Walking Dead, there's not much action. I mean, there there's action, but yeah. it's not an action it's movie. It's a slow burn. Yeah. It's a TV show. It's more... Sun. It's more garbage. Western. You know what I mean? I feel like a lot yeah. of the action is very Western. It's very standoff, very set up. This is full-on punch-in-the-face action the entire time. Anytime something's happening, yeah. it's an action. It's a live-or-die Absolutely. Action. Uh, one other thing I want to add, the funniest thing about this opening scene is the first time I ever, ever seen this was a promo on the USA Network that they played at like 10 o'clock at night for some random fucking show on the USA Network. And during like a commercial break, they were going to play the opening to this movie. So they played it semi-cut, obviously with hard cuts for the shower scene and a couple of small cuts, I'm sure, with uh, the violence going on in the back of the, the bus. But they showed the folding up until her, her crashing the car, and then it just said, like, Dawn of the Dead, and it came out the following day. So that was the first time I actually seen the opening scene, with the exception of a few small cuts taken out of it, like the full uh, room attack that was all on television at, like, 10, 11 o'clock at night on the USA Network. Pretty wild for the time. With now, I don't, I don't think they would be able to show this shit on within the cable television at <laughs> yeah, ten yeah, o'clock at night. Right. It had to be on like uh, HBO Max or one of those, like uh, yeah, yeah, FX or yeah. like yeah, like one of the. I could see them pulling it, like showing like a, a segment of a movie, but back then for like a fucking cable yeah. network like USA to be like, hey, we're gonna they they must have some pretty good, <laughs> pretty good stake in this movie. Yeah. 
But I mean, the, the opening is just is just fantastic, and that is a large part due to our second reason you see this movie. Number two. And that's because it's a Zack Snyder movie. And as we said earlier, his directorial debut. Like running zombies is a thing that we've added to canon that that has become like, it's its own thing, which is cool. I mean, I think that, you know, that's the one thing about the zombie genre. I didn't know when we made the movie that the internet existed and that <laughs> there were people that were super into zombies, like in a crazy way. Like I remember there, I was getting some death threats about like, if I fuck this up, I'm gonna kill you. And I was like, what? <laughs> what happened? Like, cause I was like into comic books, but I wasn't really into zombies. That I mean, I liked the movies; they were cool, but I didn't, it wasn't my lifestyle choice, you know. <laughs> and though I respect that as one, didn't. so yeah, that was a thing I discovered. Zack Snyder showed immediately that he has great command for action and action sequences. It would be why he was probably tapped to do 300, which would be his next movie. Yeah. Which, another phenomenal movie. And we may actually talk Great about movie. it because I don't know how many people have actually seen it. Amazing fucking movie. And Zack Snyder has a great, great visual style. Yeah. And with him and James Gunn, we could probably put him in here as like a, as a part 2B because James Gunn's writing is phenomenal. When it was discovered that I was writing Dawn of the Dead, I got death threats. I had, uh, I had petitions about how uh, I should be taken off the, the movie. Um, and it, it was an incredibly difficult time for me in my life because here I was at this guy who had always, you know, at least considered himself, like I was the edgy rock and roll screenwriter that I guess people think of me as today, but I had written a Scooby-Doo movie. Well, let me be honest, I wrote two Scooby-Doo movies. And because I had written Scooby-Doo, that's what people knew me as, but I knew myself as something totally different than that. That was. You know, something I spent a, you know, a few months writing these screenplays for kids' movies that I actually quite liked, you know, writing. I had a good time writing those movies. Um, but it's just a part of what I did. But because of that, it was like Dawn of the Dead was made by the guy who did Scooby-Doo. He became the hack of all hacks. And it was awful. And Ain't It Cool News, which was the most popular fan site at the time, it was like all of the fan sites put together into one fan site. And Harry Knowles went crazy talking about how it was terrible. But to Harry's credit, he got a hold of the script a couple weeks later and he read the script. And then he went on, on his site and said, I love the movie. I wish it was called something else other than besides Dawn of the Dead. But this script is the best zombie script in, in, in many, many years. And so that kind of helped change things. That's what we really, I think yeah. it, it's... It's a, it's the combination. Yeah, it's Zack Snyder's like darkness with film uh, that he likes to carry throughout all his movies with just James Gunn's fucking writing is so good. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, so good. Fucking Guardians of the Galaxy, yep. Slither. Oh, loves the Guardians of the Galaxy. Have you ever seen Slither? I have not seen Slither yet. Really? No, nah, I'm going to have to see Slither. There, look at that. Matt suggested a movie to me. How about that? Great underrated James Gunn weird fucking comedy horror movie. Check it out. Here's a movie that'll probably make this podcast have you seen the superman goes evil movie that he put out last summer produced it i don't know if he wrote and directed it no i'm trying to think of the goddamn name of it now fucking uh bright Brightburn. Brightburn, yes oh my god fucking absolutely good amazing absolutely amazing movie one of the best jaw death scenes ever i'm a huge fan of superman and what i love about the movie we'll just quickly dissect to it is 
Superman is always portrayed as the, you know, the Prince Charming, the the Boy Scout. And in that movie, he, they, they it's obviously not Superman, but it's basically his story. It is. They finally give a dark version of what a person, especially when you're 13 or something like that, would do with that kind of power. And I loved it. I love that it went in a way that has never been really done, especially for a superhero movie. Anyways, we get back to this movie and talking about the great James Gunn writing, but really about the directing of Zack Snyder. And in that opening scene, after they kind of get together, the, the first five people that meet each other, which would be Mackay Pfeiffer, his wife, and Jake uh, Weber, who's with them, yep. they meet up with Sarah Polly and Ving Rhames. And they realize quickly that where they want to go towards the city is not the place to go. So they, <laughs> I wrote this down. Like, no one has ever said, we're going to the mall and it'd be a good thing. You know what I mean? No one's yes. ever like, where's the safe yes. place for going to the mall? Officer, sir, you do not want to go that way. What's that way? It's pretty bad. What about Fort Pastor? Maybe if you had wings, the road stick with those motherfuckers that way. How do you know? We just tried. Come on. Back when there was eight of us. Going to the mall. Shit. I just love that because it reminded me of that same shot. They go up to the mall and it had the very same kind of feel as our movie last week. It follows when they went to the the pool and it had that same like haunted house, like, oh, you were filled with dread. Because what you're doing is yes, you're escaping the outside world, but you're trapping yourself with no mobility to get away from the outside world once it closes in on you. You're now trapped in there, and getting out makes it a lot harder than if you didn't go in at all. I thought that was a very funny little uh, thing, but a nice touch that I don't know if this is in editing or if this is part of the writing. I would love to see the original script or if this is just you know a combination of things. But when they finally get into the mall and they're walking around, I love the fact that twice they use the overhead music as 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 comedy as real comedy yeah because it juxtaposes you know this the song against the real reality but the first song that's playing is don't worry be happy by bobby mcferrin is playing <laughs> over the mall sound uh, sound system as these five characters are making their way through this mall not knowing what dangers may be lying ahead of them and i just thought it was such a great yeah. touch to have that oh, in yeah. there it was just it's so much fun Another music scene, there's not much, much that I'll give away outside of it, uh, but it's when all of our uh, characters get together in an elevator. And yes, yes. Uh, what, is, what is it that's playing the second time? It's All Out of Love by Air Supply. I have that down too. It is? Yep, it's All Out of Love okay. by Air Supply. <laughs> so, so amazing.
that was improvised by the actor that says, I like this song. Yeah. He improvised that line uh, for it. Oh, so, so yeah, because they probably didn't know it was playing anyways, but it's, ah. Yeah. So Both like, of those moments are so good. It, what it does is, is in the first one, obviously, it's juxtaposed against here. They are literally walking in almost as if they're like a military unit trying to, you know, stealth their way through and and clear the area to make sure that they're not about to be attacked by a horde of zombies or whatever is going on outside. Because they never call them zombies. That's what is great about some movies is they never call them zombies. They know that they were the dead. There's nothing. They don't call them a zombie. So I love that that is used in that scene. And then after they're being chased towards the end by nothing but zombies, that this sweet moment real quickly happens while they're in the elevator, wait for it to go upstairs, giving it that brief moment of being able to like relax for like whatever small amount of time it's going to take for them to get to the first floor to the second. But that song is playing. And someone's able to have a small human moment being like, hmm, I really like the song. And it being an air supply song. So just some really great song so choices in this movie to, to help push on the comedic aspects of it. Yeah, no, it's so fucking good. Yeah. I was surprised when I seen that that was in Fries. I was like, that's pretty fucking funny. Because <laughs> I could just imagine that they were uh, having to refilm like the elevator, just entering it like for bullshit reasons or something. <laughs> like too many takes. Because it's such a simple little scene. And since they filmed this in an actual mall, I imagine that it was just the mall elevator music playing. And he just said that, which is fucking great. And then they had to probably secure the rights for the song. Well, <laughs> what I love about it is it's not. So it's just it's just that music. It's just the musical, mm-hmm. you know, put together of someone at some Casio computer, you know, keyboard just replaying it. And it not being the actual, you know, word song with music. But it's just that great moment of everyone's been there. Everyone's worked someplace or been someplace where they have this mall music where they're not playing the actual song, but they're just playing like the mall music version of it. There's so much greatness about that that they did. Just little nice touches. You know, it was those moments in between all of that chaotic action that, that Zach is, and, yeah. and James Gunn kind of put together for it because it really does push the movie along. I mean, he does a great job of getting these actors, and we're going to talk about them in a minute, but... He takes basically this ensemble cast of, outside of Ving Rhames at the time, they're basically nobodies. You know what I mean? If you watch the movie now, we're 16 years down the road, which is almost unbelievable yeah. to say. But you look at the people like Ty Burrell and some of the other cast members, and now you know them. They're almost household names or at least household faces. Yeah. You know who they are. You've been there. Ving Rhames may yeah. be less known to some people now than he was at the time. Exactly. And Sarah Polly, some people don't know who the fuck she is. At the time, like this was... This is, you know, this was over the decade yeah, after, yeah, exactly. Decade after Paul Pulp Fiction, he's the he's the most famous one on the board of this huge fucking cast. Yeah, and and you know, and then but he takes them and really does a great job of using them as an ensemble. He really turns them. Mm-hmm. You really do feel for the cast members who are there and who are you know come in and out, and certain things happen to some, and some disappear, and some you know continue on. But you really get a great feeling based on what he's able to do with with the cast and, and the story he's telling. There is some heart to it, but it never feels slow. I feel like the, he does a great job of pacing. It keeps the movie moving. We don't slow down. There are moments of of dread, of, of not knowing what's coming. Some scenes that we're going to talk about in a little bit. Like, I really love, because this doesn't really play into some of the things I want to talk about, but I really love when they're in, they go into the garage for the first time. And that's where we we meet the dog. But we know there's something in there. Yeah. 
And it's just the subtleness of it being slow. And it's a slow burn moment. And then all of a sudden it ratchets up really, really fast. And then, you know, yep. it just has this group. And then it turns to just full-blown uh, action. Yeah. It starts off with, they, you know, they, they go in. It's really quiet. They're looking around. And then all of a sudden we see some blood in the wall. And we something's moving. And it's a dog. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, <laughs> I took this note. Like, it seems like sometimes in movies, zombies learn some things that you don't think zombies should be able to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you go, what? Yeah. This legless zombie, the zombie who has lost his legs from the knees down on both sides, is suddenly performing Olympic-style upper body moves by... Basically crawling across the pipe with its hands, shimming down a pipe, and then dropping on a guy and attacking him. And that then yeah. leads to Bedlam. And this Bedlam yeah. ends with them torching all the fucking zombies that are around them. Just with fucking just, yeah. You, yeah. Badass slow-mo oh, simple so throw. So good. Ah, oh, it was great. I mean, it went from zero to a hundred in, in a second. Yeah. And it was such a great scene. But it was yeah. really well designed and really well directed by you know Zack Snyder, and he really—you really see his acting or acting. You really see his directing chops just in this movie. Like you now know why he was given a bunch of other movies to do, and some good, some not great. But he is amazing in this movie. This is an amazing fucking first movie for somebody, and I absolutely oh, yeah. fucking loved it. Especially the parking garage barbecue scene is what I like to call. Yeah. It. Oh yeah, so good, fucking dude. Fun fact: uh, that the zombie there was an actual amputee. He really was. You know what? I figured. I, I I think I'd heard that before. I figured it had to be because you know, I mean, the upper body strength and yeah, the way that he carried himself so well. Like, it was so realistic. But it's also so dark in there. To have someone wearing green on their legs and for the legs to kind of try to hang like they're missing yeah, the lower part, would, it just it really wouldn't You couldn't work. duplicate no. it without doing no. it. And, and kudos to, to the extra that fucking pulled that off because, Mandy, you're a fucking scene stealer coming through as the zombie. Yeah, that was zombie. pretty cool. Fuck yeah. Yep, that was really Cheers cool. Cheers to you, mate. <laughs> like, fuck yeah. <laughs> like, was really you cool. fucking... You're the, the fucking curveball. That's going to perfectly segue into our third reason you see this movie. Number three. And that is, it has an amazing ensemble cast of basically virtually, at the time, B-level cast members who put together A-list performances. I mean, it, they really do put together A-list performances to include, like, Ty Burrell. Ty Burrell plays this rich fucking douchebag. <laughs> Douchebag, douchebag piece of shit that piece you of shit. want to die the minute you see him. <laughs> he is. You're like, why has he lived this long? Why is this guy getting by? However, he says things, though, that even though he's sarcastic asshole, you're kind of like, you know, he's not wrong. When they fight or something for a little bit and he kind of, you know, kind of brings them back, like, really? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, it looks like you guys have been, you know, taking this time of uh, what's it called to really get to know each other well and stuff. The first 12 minutes of that movie through the Johnny Cash song, you know, the, through the intro, was some of the best action horror I'd ever seen. I think it was a real sort of coming out moment for Zach. Did you hear that from the same jackass who told us to go to St. Verbena? The church downtown? Yeah. It's the first place I went. Some dipshit on the radio said it was safe there. He was wrong. I started to have a lot more fun and not feel like, oh, am I, I, you know, I might be doing this wrong because I'm really playing this guy as a totally nihilistic jerk. Uh, but he was. <laughs> That's what he was. It's nice to see that you've all bonded through this disaster. A couple weeks into filming, I was starting to just get really, really excited and calling my wife. We were in Toronto. 
by calling my wife very excitedly, like, this, this actually is, I think this might be special. It reminds me perfectly of like a line that you or I <laughs> yeah. would say to like one another. And that's what's that's what's bad about it is when um, it's when uh, I think it's Sarah Polly and Jake are talking and uh, he's like, hey, when you guys are done uh, blowing each other, <laughs> like, <laughs> can we like talk about the real yeah. fucking shit going on? Uh, and yeah, it's so great. He's a fucking douche. Or when they get to and we're going to talk about him, uh, the Andy scene when Andy is uh, what's about Andy second that you know, on top of the roof and Sarah Polly's Sarah Polly's character is kind of oh, like yeah. well, they used to be humans or whatever. She's like all upset that they're they're playing this game of to keep from bored. Yeah, and he's just like, look, honey, if if I return one of those things, you have my permission to shoot me in the fucking head. Shoot me in the fucking head. And she's like, uh, I will. You guys had really rough childhoods, didn't you? It's a little bit rocky. Hey, sweetheart, let me tell you something. You uh, you have my permission. I ever turn into one of those things? Do me a favor. Blow my fucking head off. Oh, yeah, you can count on that. He has these great moments of what he does. He does. And he is just spot on in it. As is everybody. Ving Rhames, obviously, yeah. is the strong, almost silent type, but Ving Rhames is the badass. He He's the badass. He just is the badass in yeah. the movie. But we get to see a bit of a softer side, because we've learned that he was trying to meet up with his brother at some army post that just fucking... Psh, gone just everyone's dead and that yes. that's one of the great ty burrell things he's like are you sure they did he goes well one minute they're standing the next minute they they fell down they fell down they weren't moving and then they got back up again and started eating each other so uh, good truck's not gonna make it to fort faster no forget the truck that place is fucked man bloodbath city how do you know we just came from there is everyone there dead uh, dead-ish. Is everyone there dead? Yeah, in the sense that they all sort of uh, fell down and then look for myself. not gonna make it. Got up and I'll get as far as I can. Right now it's about one foot up. Started door. eating each other. I'll take my chances. Don't be an idiot. Please, there's people here right now could use your help. Fuck y'all. Nice to see that you've all bonded through this disaster. He's just like such a prick. Like, like he, you know, he's taking notes that this man cares about somebody there, and he's still gonna be a dick. The great thing is that like, he's being a prick, but he's the only one who's like bought into what's going on. Like, he's given the harsh reality, and he's the one who's rich who has everything to really lose in yeah. this kind of a world. When shit goes south, it's not the poor yeah. who are losing everything. <laughs> like, You've already lost everything. If shit goes wrong, yeah, I'll be upset. Some things will happen, but I, I'm not. The, in the position in life where I'm gonna lose my wealth or all this stuff. Ty Burrell's in that in that yeah. realm of he is well to do, and but he is like he's like, look, this the shit has hit the fan, and you fuckers need to get on board, and I'm not gonna candy coat it for you. You know what I mean? So when you're done sucking these judges' dicks, we have the dead outside. Yeah. They're trying to get in here and kill us. So we may want to just focus on that for a second. Yeah. But anyway, exactly. uh, so uh, <laughs> Bing Rames finds out that his brothers died, and they go up on the roof. Because there's another another bunch of people end up coming. They drive in and they're driving around. But eventually they meet the guy yep. across the street. Which, look, he, he runs a gun store. Good old Andy. Yes. It's very convenient. Right? Like, I'm not going to lie. I have never been to a mall in America where a gun store 
is that close by. <laughs> However, for this movie, you need a gun store that close by. And it really does add to some really cool stuff. So we'll just let it slide, all right? <laughs> like, okay, well, let's be honest. If you were running running into that parking lot as casually as, as they did when they entered that parking lot to the mall, how did they not notice the gun well, store? Well, part of it is, is probably at the time, <laughs> everything is going to shit. You're trying to find something that may be locked. Now, yeah, yeah, that yeah. does bring me to a point in this movie. And it doesn't have to do with what we're just talking about, but I wanted to bring it up. When Mackay Pfeiffer's character is going around, you know, after they finally get there and they've made it through the mall and they want to make sure all the exits are closed. We had our first inkling, you know, and Mackay Pfeiffer is walking through and then one of those zombies like smacks against the glass. This is the only bad writing that James oh, yeah, Gunn yeah, does yeah. because it's that where you throw a line of dialogue out there that kind of what I would call buttons up a hole a bit, you know, kind of fixes a hole that's possibly there. So when the zombie slaps mm-hmm. against it and Mackay Fiber's like, he, he yells back and he goes, shatterproof, motherfucker. Like, okay. Because eventually all of these fucking zombies are pressed <laughs> up against, you know, trying to get in. And eventually just the pressure, yeah. So we had to throw that in there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I just thought, I was like, that's very convenient. As we know, I've seen seen mall doors broken far easier than this by not zombies. (laughs) If if your average teen can break a mall glass door (laughs) with just a little bit of, like, thought. Well, it did seem very convenient. Like, why why are the glass doors shatterproof? Like, is this area, because there are a lot of riots going on, there's a lot of things, but people are throwing rocks or stuff at your windows that you need to have them shatterproof? Like, it seemed very, very convenient. (laughs) You know... Maybe maybe Andy was in QAnon and he was on the watch list. So they well, specifically made it. Andy is fantastic. But he he doesn't say much. We don't see a lot of He's he, just, he just shoots people. And he shoots a lot of people with this sniper rifle to the the joy of the people who are trapped in this mall now. As they watch him just shoot people after people. Holy shit. You got him. So what do we have next? Uh, yeah, Burt Reynolds. Tell him, uh, tell him to get Burt Reynolds. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Man, he's good. He barely even looked like him. Oh, oh, um, Rosie O'Donnell. Tell him to get Rosie. Yeah, Ruth. It's a great scene. He's, they keep writing down these names. Shoot Burt Reynolds. Uh, popular celebrities that are celebrities. standing out there. They look like and he's just shooting them. Man, it's a great moment of bringing the levity down. It's the scenes that lull you into what's yeah, going to so come good. later. So you want to feel. It's like the it's that break. Yes, yes, Absolutely. That break, yes. <laughs> the the acting is just it's fantastic. There's just so many great little moments in it. However, in this, while we're talking about the acting, the actors do a great job of selling us these tropes that are always in these movies, and they're literally laws. And I found myself hoping some of the characters would die because of their stupidity. Yeah. And what I mean by that is we talked about it a little bit when we talked about them going into the basement. They find a fucking dog. Now, look, I'm a dog lover. I have two dogs myself. I like dogs. Dogs are great. They, they're great animals. However, in a zombie apocalypse or any kind of apocalypse, do not befriend an animal, especially 
in a zombie apocalypse because an animal is a time bomb. And what I mean by that is it's like a grenade that is on (laughs) a long release. As soon as it's brought in, we all know that eventually something perilous will happen to the dog, causing our our characters to make a really poor decision (laughs) to save the stupid fucking dog instead of just being like, hey, Tyrell be like Tyrell, like, hey, when we're done sucking each other's dicks, let the dog die. Right? We got yeah. bigger fish to fry. This stupid fucking dog is the cause of one of our characters we just talked about, untimely death. Because yeah. this, I wanted that bitch when she chased after the dog to die. I did. I wanted her yeah. to die. She deserved to die. And I was upset that she made it to the end of the movie. I'm not going to lie. I wanted her to die. And yeah. I had seen this many times. And I watched it the other night. And I was still like, damn it. She should have died. She deserves so, yeah. to fucking die. Because, like, uh, even in, in like, a character like Andy, no dialogue. Do you care more for him than you do for her making such a fucking poor decision that she knew was stupid to fucking make? Like, the dog was fine. They they knew it. They Obviously, the reason why the dog fucking made it here yeah. is because yep. these zombies are not fucking eating dogs. If they were eating dogs, uh, they know. would just be herding around fucking cattle farms, beasting. If this was The Walking Dead, they'd be eating the dogs, but they're not. And the name of the dog was Chips. Fuck, fuck a dog named Chips. Fuck a dog named Chips. Unless that motherfucking dog is named Chips because it actually rolled with the California Highway Patrol, Ponch and John from the show Chips. That's when you name it Chips. Other than that, fuck a dog named Chips. That dog is it's got a shitty name. It's a freaking horrible name. And that dog deserved to be eaten or killed and not Andy. So fuck that dog. The other good thing is the the dog doesn't even fucking like her that much. The dog likes fucking Tucker played by Boy <laughs> Banks more than her because she can't even get him when she's like chips hey chips hey chips hey chips and the the blonde girl mocks her and then he just whistles and the dog comes i know and he's just like and even him like he rolls his eyes like because you know what i don't think the dog's name is fucking chips no she gave him that fucking she gave him that (laughs) shitty dog name like she like was looking through a book of dog names and just like flipped and she landed on the fucking first fucking c word to come out for fucking chips and it is fucking garbage that dude like you know that dog secretly leaves whichever room she's sleeping in and goes and sleeps with yeah tucker absolutely the whole fucking well, time tucker's trying to bang her and i don't know if he, he i hope he did because otherwise no Tuck, tucker's the old yes guy. no you're right otherwise this kid is trying to bang her hooked his oh, yeah. wagon to the wrong fucking horse. I can tell you that right now. Yeah. Oh, oh big time. Which brings me to a standard, another standard in this movie with that the actors do a great job of kind of uh, selling for us. But anytime you fall for a love, someone loved, you are going to die. It is a huge time bomb. You cannot fall in love with someone in your group. Or if you have a loved one in your group, you're going to die. They are a time bomb or you're the time bomb you're going to make a decision that is bad you're going to choose something that's going to get you fucking killed and that's how most of these numbers get dwindled off in this movie is someone makes a decision or they know they shouldn't and it gets people fucking killed to include themselves all i'm gonna say and this all i'm gonna say is zombie baby and i'll let you all figure out what i mean by that and what that has to do with anything oh god anytime you fall in love with something or you have an attachment to something you're going to die you have to look out for just you you can have a team 
But at the minute someone doesn't want to start working your team, you get rid of them or you kill them because they are time bombs. And you cannot afford time bombs in the zombie fucking apocalypse. I'm just saying, you can't afford them. So don't do it. So that's going to bring us to the number four reason and maybe my favorite reason. Number four. And that is the great Richard Cheese down with the sickness <laughs> cover montage, which lasts the entire length of the song, which is about two and a half to three minutes long. And it leads into the Andy shooting people <laughs> for their amusement on the rooftop. Yeah. to Richard Cheese. If you don't know Richard Cheese, one, he is a great lounge singer in the vein of Weird Al Yankovic. He does yeah. great covers, and he covers Sickness by Disturbed. It's, it's Weird Al if Weird Al actually had a good good voice. Well, it's Weird Al if Weird Al was a lounge singer in Vegas and trying to play that kind of thing, because that's what he does. That's his whole, his whole shtick. And, oh my God, the Sickness cover is fantastic, and it works so fucking well in this montage. We get to learn so much about the characters and some of the actors. Ty Burrell gets to have sex in it, during it. It adds such a great middle section of the movie. We've seen the chaotic beginning. We've got all our characters to where they need to be. They finally have all gotten together. We've had a couple of moments where we've lost a few people because we've learned that they've been bitten and all this stuff. And then finally, they just break out this montage with this song and it just fucking lends itself so brilliantly and perfectly yeah. to this movie that it just pushes the movie forward. And it's one of those most memorable moments in the movie outside of like the beginning and some of the action sequences. But, you know, a lot of movies use montages. And a lot of times it's, you know, they're crappy. They're to build something or, you know, I don't know, to work out, to, you know, to learn karate faster. A lot of times you're like, oh, okay. You know what <laughs> to I mean? To beat the Russian. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a filler. Like, yeah, a lot, it's, it's like, usually yeah. training it's sequences. It's like Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of training sequences. <laughs> we got to speed We got to speed this shit up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rocky's got to fight in the last third of the movie. We got to move this along. We spent a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> funny, uh, funny thing is uh, Zack Snyder himself personally chose specifically the Man Comes Around by Johnny Cash and Richard Cheese's cover of Disturbed for this movie being the only person that thought these sh songs should be in the film. Uh, and the producers were heavily against it. Good for him because those producers are fucking idiots because those songs yeah. are quintessential for this movie. They, they make they make these scenes. They literally... Let me ask you a question. Outside of the, the songs that we figured out from writing it down, and the only reason I know the two songs in the, or in the mall is because I listened to them. You know, when we watch this again, I actually pay attention and wrote them down. However, 
before we seeing this again, would you have known any other songs besides the two songs we just talked about, which being the sickness no. cover or no. yeah, exactly the, the Johnny? Yeah, they, they, they stand yeah. out. They, they were iconic the first time. Like they, they he took two songs that are well known and made them two iconic scenes. Now that they're permanently tied to these scenes, there's a lot of people that will only remember that Johnny Cash uh, man comes around because of this movie and everybody will only know Richard Jesus cover of disturbed <laughs> because of this fucking movie. Like nobody would fucking know about no. that song. If it wasn't for this, it's like jungle boogie with pulp fiction. Uh, it's like uh, stuck in the middle with you with um, reservoir dogs. It's like, there are just songs that are just tied to a movie. And that's that. Like the first time you hear the song is in that movie. And it's that scene. Say anything. Dave Dickey Bobby. Yeah, uh, God, Dave Dickey Bobby. Him. Him. Yes, yes, you're right. That would not be known. No. If, well, yeah, it's Peter anything. Gabriel's Boom. In Good Your it. Eyes yeah. by Say Anything. In Your yeah, Eyes. Exactly. It, well known yes. because of that scene. Exactly. Great, fantastic song. Fantastic song, but it's made iconic. Exactly. By, by a scene. scene. Exactly. So that is what this song, Richard Cheese, is. It's, like I said, two and a half minutes, three minutes long tops, but it's it's just so good. It just gives us all this little information about these characters in a, in the blink of an eye and really is, just, I don't know, it's a mood breaker. <laughs> it's just so great. Yeah. Ty Burrell just having sex yep. with the blonde girl, yep. filming himself. Like, like yep. he literally is like, if he didn't die, he may have become uh, Patrick Bateman. And fucking American Psycho. Like, that was I a, think a very American Psycho. He, he was Pornhub before Pornhub. You know what I mean? <laughs> he was, or what's that? Fans know, only. He's oh, fans man. only before fans he, only. He, he, <laughs> he was, like we were saying about the the divide between wealth, uh, his character was upset because he had just invested a lot of money into Pornhub. And he's like, fuck, nobody needs the goddamn internet yeah, anymore. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> Oh. I just dumped ten million into that cup. So good, so good, <laughs> and this the song really just just parlays everything. It does so well. There's just so many great moments that we that we get from this two and a half three minute song and this montage. You say, and it's it's one of the best montages out there, and especially for horror movies because I don't how many horror yeah. movies even have montages. You know, even then, like it's kind of like jokes on tropes of horror movies while like showing so much like. It's showing sex, and then it's showing like stuff that like is a bold risk at the time for Zach to take with showing the awesome dude trying on fucking high heels, fucking sick scene. But that's a bold move from him at the time in two thousand four. Oh, absolutely, two thousand four. Good for him. Absolutely, absolutely. Good for fucking him. <laughs> Before he he was way too controlled by fucking money well, and like people fucking trying to like steal steal Final Cut and stuff like that from him. I mean, when it's your when it's your first movie and you're you're remaking yeah. something as a zombie, people figure like one well, either people are gonna go see it because of what it is, or if it doesn't work out, boom, we can get rid of them. You know, but it worked yeah. out for him. It worked out amazingly. It did. And then you have like very big horror tropes going on with the coupling scene of the redhead girl with the stupid dog and chips and the guy that just wants to be her boyfriend the the honest mall security guard which is the <laughs> fucking i don't know how i'm actually saying that loudly the honest mall security guard because mall security are either douchebags or power trips like which is the same fucking thing well let me ask this question I've lived in the Northeast up in this area for a very long time, but I've also been in the South and I didn't notice this there either. When and where are mall security guards armed? 
I've never, <laughs> I've seen cops obviously a lot of times on the I've weekends. I've seen there. security arms. Yeah, but that's security. yeah, that's recently. But that's that's, that's outside security that they, they, they've hired because obviously there's an element right. of possible aggression and danger in the evenings. Thanks to pieces of shit. <laughs> but I've never seen, and it's not just this. I watched the movie back when the the pandemic started. <laughs> I watched Commando, and in Commando, they're oh. armed. Like, at, where are all these mall security guys armed? And if they are, and they're anything like the movies, thank God they're not, because they're they're terrible. It's a bad idea to arm mall security. If you want to talk about no. power trip, that's the worst thing to do. My God, we have a bad enough time that police just shoot people without asking anything. Mall security is going to shoot you for. Any reason they can. On the spot. On the spot. You may just walk into the mall the wrong door. Bang. You've been shot. Yeah. I had a run in with uh, uh, Karen, the mall, mall security guard, uh, during uh, during the depths of COVID while working for an unnamed place. I was entering the, the mall when only uh, employees could enter. She like actually tried to chase me. And was like, excuse me, excuse me. And I was like yelling to her, like, I work here. I work here. And she like was screaming so loud. She couldn't even react to what I was fucking saying until like she was like at the bottom of the escalator that I was going up. And it took her a very, I was like at the top of the escalator. And that was without like, I didn't take no steps. The escalator carried me. I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not doing, there's no, any extra work involved like i'm the i'm the guy in the airport in chicago on the belt like if, if i'm you're not, the asshole yeah, stands in the way of the people who actually want to walk on it you're on you're <laughs> yeah. on the left side not yeah. the right side you're that guy if you want to yeah. fucking walk don't get on it what, it makes this sense is, this is it's walking it for makes me. sense I'm, you started to smoke in the last episode when i after exactly. i talked you decided that that's when you should when it's your turn that to talk. was the time gotcha exactly i'm i'm the dick i'm the 34 year old larry david <laughs> we have learned a lot about you in two episodes very much we have and and she she chased me and uh, was like oh, excuse me and then finally she heard what I said after she was done like slowly trudging her way to me trying to her her most desperateness to run which God forbid if she is ever protecting my life um, it's not happening I'll accept my fate of death at that time yeah what what scenario are you in that he needs more security to save your life <laughs> I don't know but if it, uh, God forbid. If anything ever goes wrong in that fucking shithole of a mall, yeah, fuck that. I'm not relying on them. And I would not trust them with guns <laughs> because <laughs> that would not be a good fucking situation. Oh, like I just, I just picture like someone like the food court gets too rowdy and they just come come in and fire off rounds in the sky, <laughs> yeah. like like they're fucking uh, like it's fucking the uh, rock. It's a uh, it's it's the rock. Uh, yeah, it's like the, it's the fucking uh, rock. Just like randomly shooting weapons into the ceiling when you've got. <laughs> quick, quick crowd control. <laughs> when all you have to do is raise your voice, happen. there's no need to fire two yeah. rounds. Uh, yeah. If you want to know more about that, you can go to our old podcast of Nobody Puts Nick in a Cage, and you can listen to our rock episode. And we talk about that on that episode. Yeah, don't shoot guns. <laughs> don't shoot guns <laughs> in the, in the sky. Which is actually <laughs> kind of a perfect segue because it leads us to our fifth reason you should see this movie. Number five. 
and that is the intense gore-filled action sequences. And there are a lot of them. Like, I started, I was like, man, yes. there's a ton of them. And that's why I started realizing, man, this is really not a horror movie. This is really a fucking action movie that just has yeah. zombies in it. I mean, holy Christ, there's a ton of action sequences. Forget the opening. I mean, obviously, that's a guaranteed one. But there, I mean, every other scene, it felt like it was like an action sequence. I mean, you've got them, you know, that truck drives in, that new crew shows up. You've got them going yes. into the basement. You've got them going through the yeah. tunnel. Like, there's a ton of them. And it's just like, it's the wild, wild west while they're, while they're doing this. It's it's crazy how many. It's like one one action set piece yeah. to another. But it doesn't feel like that because of the way that the, the different ways they break up each part of it. Which is such a huge difference from from the original. Which the original, like, is, is not like that at all. And... That's what makes this so fantastic. Is like literally, it's this is its own. It's Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. Well, yeah, and with James Gunn, I think what they both realize that if we're gonna remake a Romero classic, we have to change yes. it. It has to be our own. It has to have you know some of the obviously um, important moments that are in the original, but it needs to have its own feel to it, especially for two thousand four at the time. Which really, when this oh, movie yeah. came out, this movie and then like twenty eight days later, really started to push zombie, and they brought yeah. the zombie genre back to life. Because there was no zombie movies or anything really going on up until those two movies really started to come out in the early 2000s. Yeah. And then obviously, yeah, it parlayed to everything else. Like, Walking Dead doesn't happen without them. No. No, yeah. It, it was like those two and then like Shaun of the Dead. Those were like the three. And it was almost like they were ahead of their time. And then like it kind of came like into, hey, zombies are popular. And then The Walking Dead came yeah. through and just like fucking ruined <laughs> it. Or prior yeah. to that, we'll talk about uh, fucking um, a movie that will never make this podcast is, uh, is it called House of the Dead? It was like uh, based off a fucking uh, uh, a yeah. horrible arcade game. I know what you mean. Horrible yeah. arcade game. Yeah. It was like the time crisis of zombie games, which don't fuck with time crisis. It's the best arcade game of all time, hands down. Great game. Terrible, terrible sound <laughs> movie. And then, the, yeah, the genre just got destroyed by fucking The Walking Dead. Just it's a dead genre. People have tried stuff since then. Well, Little things a few, have came a few through. things have, have come in and out. I mean, obviously, you know, they, they've been doing different things like uh, Swiss Army Man. What's the one? The, the Jim Jamars film that just came out. Uh, the Dead Never Die or whatever. That <laughs> yeah. was awesome. Yeah. Fantastic movie. So there's different like, ones. Yeah, those like. Few and far between. It was like they caused this uh, just swarm of zombie shit to come out. Well, The Kingdom on Netflix is fantastic. The Korean zombie movie or TV show is fantastic. Yeah, I never watched that. Yeah, actually. it's it's action as well. Which this is how you know this movie is action is they have an A team like uh, preparing to leave the mall montage, which oh, I yeah. loved it. It was short and sweet. But it was them souping up these two mall transports, I guess. Like, it's almost like a bus shuttle from, like, the fucking the airport. Like, I was, was like, what mall needs a shuttle? But apparently, this mall had two shuttles, and they soup it up to be badass. And it's a really cool fucking sequence when they do that. Excuse me, uh, not to shit on anyone's riff here, but let me just see if I grasp this concept, okay? You're suggesting that we take some fucking parking shuttles and reinforce them with some aluminum siding and then just... Head on over to the gun store where we watch our good friend Andy play some cowboy movie jump on the covered wagon bullshit. Then, we're going to drive across the ruined city through a welcome committee of a few hundred thousand dead cannibals, all so that we can sail off into the sunset on this fucking asshole's boat. 
and head for some island that for all we know doesn't even exist? Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm in. But it leads to some amazing things when they finally leave the mall. When they finally decide to leave the mall, it's a pretty good fucking sequences. Yeah. Um, and this is the one part we talked earlier where you thought like maybe the um, where I felt like the one CGI or special effects is kind of noticeable. It's when they pull out and then they're swarmed and they use the propane tank to. I love that scene. It's the, ex- the ex- <laughs> I love the scene. The explode. The, ex- the explosion, explosion has. A, it's a, it's dark. It's so which CGI, is good, yeah. which helps. But you can kind of notice it. You know what I mean? You can go, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's not so off-putting that you're like, because it's just a cool fucking scene. But that uh, that dock explosion, you're like, oh, shit. But my favorite yeah. is the fact that they decided to put in the spacing to have the chainsaws. And the chainsaw yeah. mishap is fucking fantastic. So oh. yeah. And it goes to that. If you have sex, you will most likely die. All of the four characters have sex. Three die for sure. We're going to leave the other mm-hmm. thing out. But Ty Burrell, as we told you, he, he doesn't make it through. And the girl he bangs, <laughs> she is the unfortunate person who gets her body chainsawed almost in half in a flip over yeah. in Ving Rams' vehicle, which also kills the chainsaw holder, which once again, this will be a PSA for all you people if you find yourselves in a zombie apocalypse and you decide you're going to use a chainsaw. One, make sure you can wield the chainsaw. Yeah. Two, make sure the person you've picked to wield the chainsaw can wield the chainsaw. And three, join us for our fifth episode for a movie where we might talk about something with chainsaws, and you'll understand what we're talking about where chainsaw size and ability is really, really important. <laughs> I won't give away the movie, yeah. but yeah. you're going to want to check it out. So I know the chains don't stop instantly. Just to let you know, let them, they slow down. It's like a car. <laughs> well, they stop when you have died and the other person who is holding it has <laughs> oh, like, died because they have fallen on it and have created an unbelievably horrific mess. And it was pretty fantastic. Pretty fantastic. Even then, that, that bitch, that thing will run. That'll run until your fingers off the trigger. <laughs> or you've cut someone's fingers off with the trigger. It was just, it's yeah. so good. It's so good. The one thing that I truly do love about this movie is its ending is fantastic. Yeah. The ending, we're ne- we never will give away endings. The ending is great. And I'm not going to say anything about it. But what I love about the ending is in the ending, they find their way to a some kind of a vessel and they get out in water. They come upon a, another vessel on water. And there is a cooler in it. And so they investigate this cooler, hoping to find some kind of substance, something to eat or drink or something. And instead, they find a head that is still alive and that has almost been like dormant, like almost sleeping until they open it. I just love that little visual of that fucking icebox head that is just fucking sitting there out at fucking sea. You know what I mean? It's just crazy. Oh, yeah. But if you watch this movie, as we are highly suggesting... You have to watch it all the way through the end because yeah. there's a lot of stuff yeah. going on watch the in full credit the credits. Roll. It's worth yeah. it. It's not like little glimpse scenes. It's, good, it, it's a fun credit roll. Like you, yeah. it, it's not going to be tedious at all. It's not no pauses. It's just like the the back and forth. Like you'll make it right through. It's the only credit roll I can think of that the entire credit roll is the extra scenes. Yeah, it's good. The movie ends in two ways. Two different ways. You can end it where it ends in the regular movie, not watch the credit scenes, and then that will be a different ending for you. 
or you can watch it all the way through the credit scenes, and then you can really get a good idea of what happens in this movie. And I love that yeah. they did that. I love that. Smart. Yeah, very smart. Very smart way of doing it. It just felt right. Felt really right that yeah. they would do that. And kudos once again to Mr. Gunn's writing. And if it wasn't part of the writing, or at least the ability for Zach to put it in at the end as a post-credit sequence. Before really post-credit sequences were a yeah. thing. Existed. You know? They were like a big yeah. thing because of Marvel and stuff like that. Yeah. No, um, one one other funny thing. I want to ask you uh, about the A-team scene. Yes. So... What in the fuck, besides measuring the <laughs> circumference of the propane tank, what the fuck was he measuring? For? I don't know. Because when he writes I numbers love it. on it, he writes 36 on it. I And he writes, he writes it with such confidence. It's like, okay, yeah, that's, that, that sounds right. Like he writes it down with such confidence as if, like, yep, that, all right, okay, now I know. Like, yeah, I had the same yeah. thought. I was like, what? Exactly. I think it. I think it was intentional, though. It's just an intentional thing of like, okay. And was that propane tank not bigger than the one he threw? Like the one he measured, and then the one he threw were completely different. Massive. Completely different. Yeah, he measures one that's like it. That probably comes up to his chest from the floor to his chest, (laughs) and the one he throws is one off a off a barbecue grill. You know what I mean? Yeah, like there yeah. are two all, different all ones. the ones the the several propane tanks that get used. Well, the the second larger one he uses later. That you know what that may be the one that may be the that one. is that is the one he measures. But still, it doesn't make sense to the measuring no. because what is the point? Because he overrules that. Uh, yeah, I don't uh, know. if he's trying to figure out if it takes a certain round to explode a propane tank, he fucks that up by using a shotgun <laughs> to blow up a couple of them before using a sniper rifle to blow off one. Yeah. And then another one to use a flare mixed with a so <laughs> using a flare as a flame and then a gun as a puncture to propane. Which so we're we're diving deep into hey. the explosives. Hey. Well, the question you should ask yourself hey, I, is: I, I, I didn't know about this. I'm I'm, I'm part of the Bungaloo Boys well, yeah. in Kewan, so that's why I know all this information. Why is this propane tank, this giant one, on the truck in the first place? One, it seems like it would be extra heavy to weigh it down. Two, it needs to take up space. Unless you're using it as like a flamethrower, what else? Why is it on there? It's not powering the vehicle. Are you intentionally knowing that at one point you might die, and this might yeah, be what you have to do to blow Alamo. up? <laughs> just yeah, but it was the, it's it was not the spoken. So that's the weird thing; like they don't speak about it. It just is there, and then all of a sudden they use it. And is it on both trucks? Because I don't know. Look, it's a fucking zombie action movie, <laughs> yeah. so there's a lot that you know. People are eating each other, so I guess we can just kind of get rid of disbelief right then and there, because that's just what's going on. Yeah, I, uh, I totally, I totally feel like it, it was the animal. Uh, Alamo. Yeah, it has to like, be. I feel like the uh, his his truck that he is riding in is the Alamo truck. So if shit's the fan, fall back to the Alamo, and Ving's truck is the leader. Through the pack. So no matter what, they're well. they're leading their way their way out with that truck. And well, because he had the snowplow in the front. This is yeah, exactly. Because they didn't put both uh, both of them equipped with snowplows. Yeah, yeah. So like, if if shit hits the fan, then 
they're going to set this off to be their last ditch effort to try to divert uh, attention from zombies. One other uh, fantastic thing uh, with that whole uh, sequence is uh, that aerial shot of when you just see the zombies running to the dock. Yeah. So good yeah. because it takes in the full scape of everything without doing like the over budgeted, over CGI effects of like World War Z of showing like zombies piling on each other. Like they're not showing that shit. Yeah. They're just showing a lot of them fucking running. Yeah. And it's enough to know that this is the world and it's fucked. Yeah. Without showing like this pile of CGI zombies learning to climb on top of each other, well, yeah. like that's excessive. Well, yeah, but again, I think we'll get into that in a minute. There's certain zombie genres have tried to change things so that they aren't the same movie over and over again. Because I mean, the original, you just climb out of, you crawl out of the ground. That's where the dead came from, and you just walk around looking for brains. You know what I mean? I, that was like the original, yeah. and so they've changed yeah. it over the years. Hell is overflowing, and Satan is sending his dead to us. Why? Because you have sex out of wedlock. You kill unborn children. You have men-on-man relations. Same-sex marriage. How do you think your God will judge you? When there is no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. It's time to make some lists. The list this week, our movie list, our genre type, we're going to do our five favorite zombie films. I will start. Matt will then follow me as he always does in life. (laughs) I'll start with my number five movie. It's a recent movie that came out in the late 2000s. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It definitely changed the way zombie movies were made. It definitely took a bit of a Shaun of the Dead type of movie and the regular zombie movies and put it together for some fun and funniness and yet have great kills. I like Zombieland. Zombieland is my number five. I saw number two. Okay. But, I mean, first of all, it's got a great cameo from the great Bill Murray playing himself, and then he gets himself yes. killed in it. It's it's so much fun. It's it's a great fucking movie. I really enjoyed it. It's funny. There's a lot of great action sequences. I love that the zombie killed the week. There's just so many. They did so many different things to really try to make it not just a regular zombie movie. And, you know, there's a lot of action. There's a lot of zombie, you know, cool kills. There's your tense elements, but there's a lot of comedy with the two. And Woody Harrelson's fantastic in it. So for me, I highly suggest Zombieland is my number five. Number four, Matt seemed to disparage it a few minutes ago, but I will slap him in his face. <laughs> I enjoyed World War Z, and I enjoyed World War Z because it decided to also amp up the zombie. It turned zombies into full-on furious red ants where... One of my favorite scenes yeah. is when they're in in the middle of Philadelphia. Uh, Israel. With that too, but when oh, you're no. in the beginning of them, when they're in Philadelphia, and all of a sudden Brad Pitt kind of goes, oh shit. Like he can see the wave of the infection suddenly swarm coming that way. And he gets his family and they get the fuck out of there, get in that truck and stuff. It's just that moment of this small panic that's going on in the streets 
turns into full-on fucking chaos, and the city is overrun in a matter of minutes. Yes. I love that because most zombie movies, even in, even The Walking Dead, is the affection is quick, but people usually get caught up in a crowd, and it, it happens to them. Yeah, and that's like, what, 10 seconds? This is that panic of, oh, fuck. You know, like seeing a giant wave, like a tsunami coming at you. And, yeah, in Israel, when they're, they're, they're trying to come over the wall, and they pull down the helicopter, and they start to, you know, work together like ants. Like, there's so many great moments to include, whether you like it or not, I love how he then infects himself. You know, they try to figure out that way. Like, yep. there's smart and even the tenseness of that the biter you know him that that the teeth yeah. they go from so many different elements of it that i really really enjoyed worlds i thought it was a really great or just a really great new take on the zombie movie i thought it really brought i, I thought it brought that uh, that uh, fear of like you can't escape this you know what i mean like it's just yeah. once it starts it's almost like it's coming for you and you aren't going to get away so that was what i really enjoyed no i agree with that actually and i i enjoy world war z i loved the book yeah um, but i do i do enjoy the movie a lot please hopefully a sequel after covid no well have you heard about the sequel though no I know we've had there's been a lot of trouble with it for a long period of time. I don't know but why. It, but with the person that has it, yep. and Brad Pitt's still involved, yep. and it's been with them and it's stuck with them for like as far as I know since prior to COVID, stayed with them. And the person's only making one other feature film right now that's about to come out in December is David Fincher and Brad Pitt coming back together. I had to do heard a that. Sequel. I had heard that. And I would be all in for that. That would be fucking a David Fincher zombie yeah. movie with Brad Pitt. I'm fucking down. Unfortunately, they've kind of shelved for the moment his TV show, Mindhunters, which I absolutely love on Netflix. So yeah, he'd be open. I don't, I don't know. They're fucking stupid. Whatever. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of stupid, my number three is Shaun <laughs> of the Dead. The greatest nice. comedy. One, it's got the great horror elements in it, but... Such a great fucking movie from Edgar Wright and his boys. I absolutely love Shaun of the Dead. It's just, I mean, from, you know, having the, the Queen song. And it's just, there's so many great moments in that movie. The banter. It's just the characters and the friendship. And I don't know. Shaun of the Dead to me is one of those great movies where it's a zombie movie. But it's a zombie comedy. But it works on so many levels. And if you haven't seen it, man, holy fuck. You know, I mean, I don't feel like, I don't know if this movie will make the podcast. I don't know if. I feel like people should have yeah, seen this. You know a lot I mean? of people definitely I feel have like seen people this. Have seen this. Like, I feel like this is how you got into all of them. You know, from the actors to the to the director to even some of the British comedy. I feel like Shaun of the Dead is that that doorway, that gateway to get in. So Shaun of the Dead is fantastic. Number two, it is probably my favorite zombie movie, but I'll explain why it's not number one once I get to number one. It is another movie in Britain. It is Twenty Eight Days Later. I absolutely fucking love 28 Days Later. Not 28 Weeks Later, 28 Days Later. <laughs> that in and of itself was a great... I love that it was a disease made by rage. I love how they, they did it. I love when you see London and it's empty. I love the eeriness of that because most zombie movies, it's full of zombies. There was no one around. I love the acting in it. I love everything about that movie. It is and such Danny, a good movie. Danny Boyle killed that movie. 
Danny Boyle is a man. I love how these zombies go from being the enemy to being the hero at the end of the movie. How they use it against human, like the humans, showing that the humans are the real fucking disease and danger. I just there's so much about that movie that is amazing. I absolutely love it. It's the first zombie movie where wow. people were fast. If you think about this, the first yeah. fast zombies, yep. and you're like, oh shit, these motherfuckers are running. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Everyone else is like walking. And that's what made World War Z eventually good because of this movie. 28 Days Later to me was the, I mean, I love the movie we just talked about, but for me, 28 Days Later changed the zombie genre completely. And everything that's followed yeah. it is because of 28 Days Later. That yeah. complete way of doing it, plus Cillian Murphy's amazing in it. Just, it's an amazing movie from start to finish. There are so many great moments, and you're just like, what the fuck is going on? And I love the zombies in it. I, I mean, they're great. The red eyes and just the, the pure ferocity. Yeah. Just rage. Oh. And even like when they, the one uh, black uh, one towards the end gets into the, the camp, and he's like, almost, it's almost like he's like a wolf howling, like they've just taken over something. You know what I mean? Like when they kind of have broken through and beaten the army, and you know, with the help of Cillian Murphy, they're kind of letting him through. I, there's just something about it, almost like he's like claiming like, this is our world now. I just love that moment in the film. And Talk about another tie-in to Nicolas Cage. Yeah. The piece yeah, of shit yeah. commander. Yes, 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 yes. Who was... He must have really liked, he was probably making all <laughs> wood chairs. Yeah, wood I know. chairs <laughs> when he was yeah. talking shit. This is the Nick Cage tie-in episode without us trying to do it. He, I mean, he's a great bad guy in this movie. He's fantastic in it, you know. I'm fantastic bad guy yeah. in this movie. He's a piece of shit. Yeah. Oh, so good. And then it leads me to my number one. And the reason this is number one, because there would be none without this. And that is Night of the Living Dead. Because it's not a zombie movie. It is a political statement about police brutality and how police treat black people back in the late 60s. However, it is disguised by an amazing movie of zombies. And Night of the Living Dead is just fantastic. Black and white. Let's put it this way: Without if you have not seen Night of <laughs> Night of the Living Dead, and you're listening to this, why have you seen the rest Stop. of these? Because they none yeah, of them like, exist without no, this they movie. Don't exist. Exactly. How about this? I'm gonna separate the artist from his life, but there's no thriller video, which was huge for my generation in the '80s, without Night of the Living Dead. It yep. is an exact what I uh, homage to it. E- you know, even the werewolves of the beginning, oh it's God, an yeah. homage to it. The zombies come out of the ground. It's a complete, and they're slow. They're trying to eat brains. Everything about that great video is because of Night of the Living Dead. And Night of the Living yes. Dead is just hands down the the ultimate zombie movie. Because without it, there is none. It's yeah. an alpha. It's the genesis of zombie films. It is. So. That is my top five. Matt, I will pass it now to you. This is uh, really fucking awesome because we only have one that matches up. Good. Which is fucking sick. It better be one of the ones I just named. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah it is. It's, it's an obvious, obvious I, one. I'm not saying it has to named. be your number one, but if it's not in there, then I don't know. We might end the yeah. podcast. Yeah, no. It's, uh, yeah. So let's just hop right fucking to it with uh, my number five being uh, the girl with all the gifts from uh, 2016, the oh, British yes. uh, zombie film. So oh, fucking that good. Is, I completely forgot about that movie. That's so I'm glad great. you put it in that. It's a great movie. Yeah. Great movie. It probably will make this podcast someday. What is it with the Brits and their ability to make great zombie movies? Lately, They're so right? fucking good at it. Uh, it's they, amazing. Like, Danny Boyle killed it. This fucking killed it. Like, they, fucking Shaun of the Dead. Like, 
so fucking good. They destroy this genre. They own this genre now. <laughs> like right there with that uh, with three. Like that's it's fucking crazy. I don't want to go into too much because this definitely might be something Agreed. that hit will hit here Absolutely eventually. Agree. It'll probably next um, year, but in Halloween time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So preview Halloween. We already got two previews going, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Uh, that will bring me into number four, uh, which we talk, talked about one half of the original release of this movie before, and that being Robert Rodriguez's Planet Terror. I fucking love that oh, movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a joy to watch if you like zombie films, let alone if you like all this shit zombie films, because prior to the rebirth of zombie films during the 70s and 80s, yeah. there was a lot of fucking zombie films. Um, and if you like those bad ones, watching Planet Terror is a great homage yeah, to if you all like the horrible and you like yeah, zombie movies. This is the one. It's great, fantastic, badass at the same time. So many badass fucking female leads in it. Did it come out before Sin City? Because I, um, I believe it did. Yes, it. No, no. Sin City no, came out first, then this came happened. out. Yeah. But again, it kind of continued with Rodriguez's uh, ability to make a lot of strong female characters that lead it. Literally, Planet Terror is led by a strong female character um, who carries it throughout it. And she's more supported by the male uh, strong characters in this film. And then these little like female background uh, like supporting characters start to pop up and become different because of this zombie apocalypse. They're changing their character. They're leaving their abusive husband and now becoming a badass zombie killing motherfucker uh, lesbian. That's like left her piece of shit husband who has continued as a fucking zombie to still be a fucking piece of shit husband that's abusive. Uh, it's fucking great. I love that fucking movie. Tarantino makes a fantastic fucking cameo in it. Uh, it's so fucking good. So Girl, good. He's got a great like, scene. I can only picture him. You pull this side and then a book is the same. And you don't look like Turner no more. <laughs> <laughs> so great. So good. Then you don't look like uh, Ava Garner no more. <laughs> yeah. Ava Garner. That's right. Uh, Ava so Garner good. no more. Yeah. <laughs> I see me a one-legged stripper. I see me like he. I see me a stripper with no brains. Oh my god! Don't forget the great yeah, Michael so Parks many. in it as well, playing Earl McGraw again. One of his many fucking roles is Earl McGraw. Like this is the actual most screen time he gets as Earl is in Planetary. It's fucking yes, fantastic. Yes, it um, and that will lead me to uh, my number three, which is uh, Train to Busan from uh, 2016, the South Korean. Yes. Train to Busan. South Korean yeah. fucking horror film. So fucking good. Fantastic. The thing that sucks is that because of COVID-19 and the theaters really being shut, Train to Busan uh, 2, which I think is called yeah. Island of Busan or something I've like that. I've seen that came that out. just recently came out, and we have yet to be able yeah, oh, so to go see I the theaters. I don't know. You can't buy it online? I thought you might be able to rent it. I'll have to check. I'll have to, yeah, same thing. I haven't, I, it was one of those things. i seen it, and it's just, again, the original is so fucking good. It doesn't need a sequel. So, like, right there, I'm almost hesitant to watch it. But if it's made by the same... Same director? Well, from what I've read, it is. But from what I've seen, it's not. It's different characters. Okay, cool. You're not getting the same characters. It's like a different, it's different timeline. People this time around. Okay, cool. I'm down yeah. with that. Yeah. Because that was. Yeah. It took me a while to catch on to that movie, and then 
as soon as I fucking watched it, it was like everybody I knew had watched it and been suggesting it to everyone. Like, oh, have you fucking seen this? Yeah, it's it's being called it's being called Peninsula. Okay. So it's like Train to Busan to Peninsula, Peninsula. but it's being called Peninsula. Yeah. Such a good fucking movie. So fucking great. And again, fucking South Korea just destroying it in the film category. They are so fucking good. Uh, one of my favorite scenes in that is um, it's the tracking shot from outside underneath the bridge and it goes under the bridge and like people go into like the, it's like a fucking like, like what the equivalent in the U S would be the motor home. Uh, but they go into it and then come back out it and you get like the shot from outside seeing the chaos of it. And then the interior of it. So fucking good. Great fucking movie. That'll bring me into our, same film number two night of the living dead fucking greatest zombie movie ever nothing would exist on this list but it's <laughs> greatest zombie movie ever but, but it's, it's number two. two this guy but it's, this but it's number two for a very oddly specific reason is number one zombie two the italian zombie film from lucid felici i fucking love this movie and i was obsessed with this movie as a late teen, and I'm still fucking obsessed with it. This was supposed to be a sequel to Dawn of the Dead. I don't believe it ever got associated with George Romero's Dawn of the Dead since it was from an Italian film director, and they couldn't get the rights to it. So when he tried to make a sequel to a movie, they said, no, you can't use that name. So in Italy, it was named Zombie without a E. Here, it's zombie without an E2. I don't know how the fuck that works. They're definitely not the same fucking cannons at all. But Zombie 2 has some of the greatest zombie death scenes of all fucking time. Specifically, a scene involving a splinter going into someone's eye and coming back out. And that will pair back to number four, Planet Terror. Where Rob Rodriguez has a specific ter- character played by Quentin Tarantino die almost exactly the same fucking way using amputees in a barstool fucking leg, I'm pretty sure it was, uh, to stab him in the eye. Um, so even Tarantino and Rob Rodriguez are in love with this movie. I fell in love with it. Have you ever seen it? I have not, but now uh, I'm going to it's, have to. It's, it's, I it's have not. pure cheesiness italian like italian cinema in general like it's 1979 italian cinema so it's it's italian cinema it's it's the rick dalton of <laughs> it's the rick this is the rick dalton of night of the living dead it's if rick dalton lost his career in the u.s and was forced to go make a zombie film that's what it is it's fantastic it's campy as hell Great. uh i fucking love it uh, but yeah, check it out. It's a blast. And I'll hand it off to you. Well, actually, it's still with you, Sweet Cheeks. Oh, yeah. We're going to go on now to our next list, which this time we always do some kind of like actor thing. But this time we're going to do our five favorite ensemble cast films. And let me tell you, this was an extremely so hard. hard list to come up with because there are so many different ways you can look at an ensemble cast. Yeah. And I have I, I picked my five favorite, and some might be very obvious. However, there could be so many different ways you go with it. There's really no wrong answer, except if it's not on my list. Other than that, it's not wrong. Yeah, no, no, no. But Matt is going to give his five, which probably be, eh, you know, and then I'll come back and give you the ones you really want to see. So go ahead, Matt. Give us your eh yeah. list. 
It, this is the this is the B roll, the B roll list, the scouts list. These are the B movies. <laughs> These are the B movies. This uh, so yeah, this was a fucking hard list to come up with i actually talked to a buddy of mine about lists of ensemble casts and he recited a, a list off the top of his head that was nothing that even touched what i'm listing right now which just shows how like fucking vast this is i mean honestly any if it's got five or more people in yeah. the fucking movie you, you can go there oh and it's, it's hard to uh, pick them so yeah uh, no it is and uh yeah <laughs> all of mine have over like people for uh ensemble i would say but yeah that starts me right there with uh number five wes anderson the grand budapest hotel fucking amazing movie my favorite my personal favorite wes anderson movie it's fucking great ralph fines adrian brody william defoe sir uh, ronan Tilda Swin, Edward Norton, Jeff Goldblum, Harvey Keitel, Jude Law, Bill, Bill fucking Murray, fucking Jason Schwartzman, Owen Wilson. Like, it just it doesn't end. It's It has all his favorite. It, it does. His usual suspects. It does. Sure, and yeah. then it, with, at the same time with him pulling in, uh, like, young people, like, uh, who plays Zero. Zero uh, is fucking fantastic. And he's standing up with all these fucking heavyweights. Could you imagine fucking being this young kid cast in a Wes Anderson movie? And he, you have to do scenes with Ralph Fiennes regularly. I know. And then... You appear in scenes with fucking Edward Norton playing like an SS officer and like that fucking <laughs> Bill Murray and just so good. Fucking William Defoe in that. And one of my favorite fucking scenes. And I'm fucking sorry, animal lovers right here because I'm, I'm just sorry. I'll, that's all I'll say. One of my favorite scenes is when Adrian Brody and William Defoe confront Jeff Goldblum and. William Defoe throws Jeff Goldblum's cat out the window to its death. <laughs> and his response is, did you just throw my cat out the window? And it's so fucking good. I fucking love that movie. It's my favorite Wes Anderson movie. Uh, it's fantastic. But that will jump into a fucking completely different genre uh, involving fucking ensemble cast is uh, Terrence Mullock's uh, The Thin Red Line. Great, great war movie. So underrated. So underrated. Sean Penn, again, Adrian Brody, <laughs> twice. <laughs> there we go. Young Adrian Young Brody, both, too. Yeah, yeah. This is a huge difference. This is like 20, yeah, I don't know, 16 years apart. Um, Adrian Brody, Jim uh, Caviezel, fucking George Clooney, John Cusack, Woody Harrelson, Woody Harrelson Jared Leto, yeah. Tom Blake Nelson, Nick Nolte, John C. Riley, and John Travolta. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, it's a powerhouse. powerhouse movie that is just underrated. Uh, one of the funny things uh, when I was like looking this up uh, that was really interesting is uh, some people that uh, turned down roles to this movie were Mickey Rourke, Bill Pullman, uh, Lucas Haas, Martin Sheen, Viggo Mortensen, and uh, Billy Bob Thornton uh, was originally going to do overlay narration for the whole film, and they all turned it down. And then on top of that, like there's other characters, like Thomas Jane's in the fucking movie, Nick Stahl, tons of fucking huge cast, massive fucking cast. Again, that might be probably my favorite Mullet film. Fantastic fucking movie there. Hang on while I sc- scroll up because this cast is like a hundred fucking people long. <laughs> this guy, this guy's going to give us every person. Everyone. He couldn't just everyone. give us the movie. He's going to give us everybody. Everyone. He clearly doesn't know how to list are made. Uh, 
He's probably smoking right now, too. How do you know? So uh, that'll bring me to number three. Uh, fucking 1997 Boogie Nights. Fucking great fucking Paul Thomas Anderson film. Fucking Excellent so movie. fucking good. Dirk motherfucking Diggler. Another John C. Riley fucking movie. Uh, Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> and probably outside of The Departed, this is my favorite Mark Wahlberg movie. It was tough for me at the time when he was in it. I have to go back and watch it again. I He was not the actor he is no. now in that movie. I think he's got better chops now than he did then, which is why it throws me off in the movie because he wasn't there yet. You know what I mean? He was To me, he was still Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch at the time. He was just coming off of trying to become an actor. Serious. Now I think he's got it down. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? But like you said, he's... Unreal in the department. Yeah, and again, another one that could be yeah, on this list. Fantastic in the department. In this though, like in Bleed Nights, I think he was his inex, uh, inexperience with acting and his cheesiness with acting and like how like very much like his acting was on the caliber of like a soap opera where he was standing up against like Burt Reynolds, fucking William H. Macy, like even Young Guns, R.I.P. fucking Philip Seymour Hoffman in that fucking movie. Like, such a small supporting role, but he's fucking fantastic in it. It made his character, like, correctly. If he was confident Mark Wahlberg now, I don't think he would play Dirk Diggler again. Like, I don't think he would go back and do that movie if if he was offered it right now today. Back then, I think he took a, a risk, actually, uh, to grab that. And then again, Philip Baker Hall... He's fucking in it. He's fantastic. I fucking love him. It's Paul Thomas Anderson. Go watch it. That brings me to number two, which I'm guessing is going to be on both of our lists. And I don't need to say much. Number two, Pulp Fiction. It's fucking Pulp Fiction. It's one of the greatest mm. ensemble casts ever put together. John Travolta, Samuel L. Jackson, fucking Uma Thurman, Harvey Keitel, Tim Roth. It's Ving Rhames. Fucking his most iconic role, I would say. But yeah, great. Oh yeah, everything Rames. That well, maybe Arby's voiceover. He's <laughs> Arby's. got the meats. I mean, it's 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 a probably close. close second, it's, it goes for sure. it, it goes Pulp Fiction, Arby's commercial, Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> that's that's actually what comes up if you type his Basically. if you search his name in IMDb, it comes up. Fucking Pulp Fiction. I can't say more about it, but it's great ensemble cast. That brings me to my number one which is Magnolia. Fucking another Paul Thomas Anderson movie. So good. This is my number one because of the way the story of this movie is told. Nobody in this film is lead character. Tom Cruise is in one of like my favorite roles that he's ever played as uh, fucking TJ. And he's a supporting actor in it. And that he's the top bill of this if you had to pick a fucking name at the time in 1999 tom was fucking huge he's a gigantic character now they had fucking john c Riley in this film ton of fucking people philip seymour hoffman again playing the fucking nurse um, he's so fucking good justin i don't know if we'll ever talk magnolia on here but the great scene with tom cruise and philip in it at the deathbed of uh, another character is so fucking good. If if that scene doesn't get to you, you don't have a fucking soul. It's like a six minute long take of just complete like anger to sadness to just death. It's 
brutal. Philip Baker Hall makes another appearance, and uh, yeah, it's so good. William H. Macy as the, the, the fucking quiz kid. So fucking good, the quiz kid. And John C. Riley playing a fucking cop <laughs> is probably the greatest thing you'll ever see. I don't know how he hasn't made it into like a appearance of like a, one of Danny McBride shows as like a side character playing like a cop. He is perfect playing a fucking cop, let alone playing like a oblivious cop. <laughs> It was a tough fucking list to come up with. I fucking can't wait to fucking hear yours. Well, mine won't have to need as many explanations, and I don't need to tell you who's in them because you're going to know who's in these movies. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to start with number five. And again, this is, I mean, it's almost impossible. I mean, even sitting here, I thought, oh, my God, what about this movie? It's virtually impossible. So I tried to pick mine based on that every single person in the movie, there may have been a lead, but you didn't feel like, oh, these guys are more important than others. I tried it anyway. For me, the number five, and it's one of my favorite movies of all time, it's The Usual Suspects. I absolutely love it. Ugh. It is such an ensemble piece that most of the people in it at the time were not that famous. Um, hell, there's a Baldwin in it, and most people, and that was like his best movie, and the only thing he's ever done since that's any yeah. good. Obviously, it has the great Kevin Spacey in it, who obviously his his checkered past and future outside of the movie is is hard, but he is amazing in this movie, as is the entire cast, uh, with Gabriel Byrne being the pretty much the yeah. lead actor, but so many great, I mean, every single one, Benicio de Toro yeah. was nobody no at the time. One. I mean, oh, there's so many amazing in guys in that movie, and I love the movie. It's one of my favorite Unfortunately, there's people attached to the movie who have really <laughs> have checkered past since. But for me, it's one of the most perfect movies ever made. I absolutely 100% love that movie. Was that a directorial debut also? Brian Singer? I don't think so. I don't know. I know it. Not to check because if it was, I would put it in there. But, you know, it doesn't yeah. matter. No, no. I love yeah, it. Yeah, no, anyway. it's great. It's a fucking great. I didn't even think of that movie. Again, this fucking list could go on. <laughs> so good. Number four, and it's funny that you had a war movie for number four. I have one, and that's Saving Private Ryan. Fucking classic. Saving Private Ryan is unreal. It's fantastic. It's Vin Diesel's greatest movie until he played Groot. Uh, he is so amazing that the fact that the man can act his ass off in that movie for the short time he's in it and then just be used as like a poor man's Jason Statham here in the States is pathetic. Because I think he does have some acting champs, uh, chops and could be good because he shows it in Steven Spielberg's Saving Private Ryan. I mean, obviously Tom Hanks helps carry the movie, but it's Giovanni Ribisi's in it. Tom Sizemore, who's literally fallen off the face of the earth because of his own personal Jesus stuff. Christ, yeah, he's smoking crack and banging prostitutes. Oh. Ed Burns. I mean, there's so many amazing actors in this movie. It's fantastic. And you forget the that, sniper. Oh, the sniper. Fuck. Barry Pepper. Barry Pepper's in it. So you got Matt good. Damon's eventually in it. Yeah. Uh, you get Ted Danson Ed showing Danson. up. And it's just Paul Giamatti. Phenomenal. Paul Giamatti's in it. It's fucking phenomenal. It's one of my favorite war movies, yeah. if not my yeah. favorite war movie of all Definitely. time. The best, hands down. And it should have been the movie of the fucking <laughs> yeah. year. Fucking Whatever. Shakespeare in Love. Fucking piece of trash. Unbelievable. You know what? I hate Gwyneth Paltrow because of that movie. I'll never <laughs> yeah. watch another thing she's in. Yeah. Outside of... Seven? Outside of when she's in Avengers. <laughs> well, she loses her head, so I'll go with that. Um, <laughs> Avengers, Pepper Potts, that's it. <laughs> yeah, right? My number three movie is in the Marvel Universe. And... It is James Gunn's Guardians of the Fucking Galaxy. Oh, that's a surprise. Love Guardians of the Galaxy. And I'll tell you why. When I first saw the trailer for that movie, I was like a talking raccoon in a tree. I was like, fuck, this is going to suck. 
I went and saw that with my son. It's up there for my top Marvel movie. I absolutely love Guardians of the Galaxy. It's so fucking good. And again, if you really think about it, not a lot of known names. I mean, the two most known people that went into the movie were people who did voiceovers. Bradley Cooper yeah. did the fucking voice for Rocket. He's not even in the fucking film. You had Vin Diesel do just say Groot seven different yeah. ways of saying it. You bring in, um, <laughs> you bring in uh, Chris from his real fame is as Andy Dwyer on fucking Parks yeah. and Rec. At the time, he was a nobody. No his career took off because of this. Batiste is a wrestler. I remember as a wrestler. I thought he's going to be in this movie. He was phenomenal. It's, it's a pitch-perfect cast. I love Guardians of the Galaxy. They are one of my favorite movies in the Marvel Universe. And Guardians of the Galaxy 2 was good, but Guardians of the Galaxy 1 is just so, so great. It's amazing. Could you believe back then that Batista's career would go from Guardians of the Galaxy to Spectre to Blade Runner 2049 to now he's going to be one of the major villains in Doom. Like, that's fucking insane. You know what? Because if you look at his performance so good. in Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy, he is amazing in it. He has amazing action shots so in that yeah. movie. Look, I like The Rock. Yeah. He's a great actor. But The Rock mm. is The Rock yeah. in every movie. Batista no. is not Batista you in can't. every movie. When he's in Blade Runner 2049, he's phenomenal so good. In it. When he's thrown in these other movies, look, he's gonna they're going to get what he gets. But he can really fucking act, and he is just spectacular in these movies. He really, I mean, he's really made the transition. Oh, he did. He you know, did. He really and, and, and we know this is not something new for pro wrestlers to try to branch into action, action movies or no, acting but not in general. Many, but not many can oh, do it. Yeah. And he really can do it. I mean, The Rock is good, but I, I would really say Batista's the better actor oh, yeah. overall. Oh, 100%. I mean, The Rock plays The Rock. I mean, The Rock's like the amazing Rock. charisma, and he's great. And he's got great comedic timing, but Batista can play both spectrums really well. He, like, hides he in does. the role. He really does. It's fucking it's awesome. The only other uh, wrestler that I enjoy watching act is Roddy Roddy Piper, and they live. Oh, so, so good. I came here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum, bitches. <laughs> That'll bring me to my number two, which is in the Marvel Universe, and it's Avengers Infinity War. I mean, holy fuck. You want to talk about star power. God damn, there's a lot of people in that fucking movie. Unfortunately, we've lost one of them, the Great Black Panther. Uh, Fortunately, we are no longer with the Great Black Panther. All of them come together. All the Marvel Universe comes together. It's such an amazing movie. It's so good. Everything that happens in it. I didn't know how it was going to work because you those are all franchises in and of themselves. And now you're throwing them on screen yeah. and you have to share time and share the, the importance of it. And it's just, it works. It works so well. There's so many amazing actors in it. I mean, it's like it the is. biggest, in my opinion, it's the biggest fucking mashup of all time. Yeah. And you're probably saying, why isn't it number one? Well, because number one is the greatest trilogy of all time, and that is Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. Hell yeah. To me, you get Lando Calrissian brought in. We've got Boba Fett. We've got, obviously, the great cast and chemistry that we have of our main characters. You bring in Yoda for the first time. There's a lot of greatness about Empire Strikes Back that I absolutely love. It's my favorite Star Wars movie of all time. One of my top five movies of all time. I so absolutely good. love it. Greatest Star Wars movie. It's unfucking believable. It's great storytelling. That movie helped tell a lot of other better stories throughout movies because of its balls to really go to the dark side, so to speak, where villains actually won. 
it was a tough yeah. list to come up with. Like when you said Pulp Fiction, like it could have been a Glorious Bastards. Yeah. Have been a so many, so, so many, many good ones. So these are my five favorites that I could think of at the time. If I were to, if you were to ask me a month from now, they probably would change. It probably would yeah. change. And you know, I originally had on here, but then eventually took off is the breakfast club. Yeah. That was one of my first ones I thought of was the breakfast club. It, yeah. There are a lot of great movies out there. We've just given you a list. So please watch fucking Dawn of the Dead. Check out these other movies and then check us out next week. Watch this or die. And that will do it for this week's installment. We'd like to thank you again for hanging out with us and letting us gush all over you about this movie. Now, we hope you will enjoy it as much as we have. So please let us know what you thought of this movie by reaching out to us on our social media platforms. Now, we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Watch This or Die. Feel free to DM us your thoughts on this week's movie, give us your own top five list, tell us what you did or didn't like about the show, or even suggest some movies to us. You can also email us at Watch This or Die Podcast at gmail.com. Now, we hope you will join us again next week for our next movie recommendation. And as always, I'm Scott Crowshar. And I'm Adam Plant. Until next time, watch this or die.